0: Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort. Amen. Word of God for a special meditation this evening is our gospel, Luke eighteen, verses nine through fourteen, as printed in your bulletin and already read. Your fellow friends of our forgiving Savior. Brushing your teeth, checking your email, eating your lunch opening a door, picking up a book, turning a page. What do all of these mundane activities have in common? Besides the fact that they are things that people do every day, they are things that are most often accomplished using our hands. In fact, it would be very difficult for most of us to even imagine performing any of those daily tasks without hands because hands are such an indispensable part of people's lives. It should come as no surprise that human hands also figure prom- prominently in the events surrounding our Savior's suffering and death. That's why the theme for our midweek Lenten sermons this year is the hands of the Passion. But the hands that we will examine this evening do not belong to Judas or Caiaphas or Peter or Pilate or even Jesus. Instead, we will focus our attention on the two men that the Lord describes in the Gospel reading for Ash Wednesday. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector is a familiar one. But as we study this account again, as we imagine what these men looked like and what their prayers sounded like, I want you to do something that you have probably never done before. I want you to picture their hands. I want you to make a connection between the actions of their hands and the attitudes of their hearts. Based on what you see, I want you to apply what you observe to your own life to appreciate and embrace what it means to have hands of repentance. The setting for this story is the temple in Jerusalem. The characters are two men of types that would have been familiar to Christ's hearers, a Pharisee and a tax collector. They have both come to this sacred place for the same purpose, to pray, and both men begin their prayers with the same word, God, but their similarities end right there now the pharisees were the the spiritual elite of jewish society and most most of them probably thought themselves to be elite in many other ways as well in addition to positioning themselves as the guardians of morality among their people the pharisees made sure everyone saw that they were more reverent and more obedient than their fellow jews And this particular Pharisee in this parable wanted everyone else in the temple to know it. He prayed, God, I thank you. Great! That's the way to start a prayer, isn't it? I mean, we we teach our children to pray that way. If only the Pharisee had stopped there. If only he would have said, Dear God, I thank you. Amen. But of course, he didn't stop there, did he? And as he continued, he revealed that his prayer was really not about giving thanks at all. There was praise, all right, but not for God. He said, God, I thank you that I am not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You know what the Pharisee was doing. He was giving himself an enthusiastic pat on the back, even if physically his hands were folded together or or raised up to heaven. He was thankful that he was a great guy, He was singing his own praises and giving his reasons. He wasn't a robber. He had kept the seventh commandment. He was no adulterer. He had kept the sixth commandment. And that was obviously just a sampling. The way the Pharisees saw it, he had kept all of the commandments. But that wasn't everything. He didn't merely believe that he had kept the law. He was convinced that his obedience went above and beyond the requirements of the law. And just in case God hadn't noticed, he provided some specific examples at the end of his prayer. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. Now, the law of Moses required faithful Jews to fast One day out of the year. But he, pious overachiever that he was, fasted two days out of every week. And on top of that, he gave God back 10% of everything he received, whether he had earned it or not. So, judging by his outward appearance and behavior, the Pharisee looked good, very good. Because of his public morality, piety, and seeming generosity to the Lord, other people probably looked up to him. But what about what was beneath the surface? What was going on inside his head? What was in his heart? And and why did he feel compelled to pray that prayer? Jesus doesn't provide any details about the Pharisees' motivation, but he knew that we, like his original listeners, could easily imagine what prompts a prayer like this. Our first inclination is likely to think that he was so full of himself and so blinded by sinful pride that that he didn't realize how arrogant he was or how wrong his confidence in himself was. But we should probably also consider that he knew himself better than he let on and was perhaps more like us than we care to admit. Maybe the last thought this Pharisee wanted in his head was anything that showed him to be a sinner. So he prayed that proud prayer more out of, as a deflection than a defense. I think it's safe to say that the Pharisee in this parable would not have been comfortable with Ash Wednesday. Because Ash Wednesday is about acknowledging our sinfulness and asking God for forgiveness. This is a day when we are particularly reminded that we are all sinners and that Jesus is our only hope for salvation. But this Pharisee would would not admit that he needed to be saved because he would not see himself as a sinner. He refused to repent of his sins, so it did not matter how many prayers he prayed or how good a life he led. He went home from the temple that day without repenting, without faith, without God's favor, and without. Salvation. Now, most worshipers probably would not even have taken notice of the the other man who was praying in the temple. But if they had, they would have seen him standing at a distance with his chin buried in his chest. So ashamed that he he clenched his hands into fists and, and beat his breast as he prayed. He knew. He knew the evil he had done and the good that he had failed to do and he knew that he deserved judgment for his sins. But instead of giving up hope, he remembered. He remembered that the Lord is a God of love, mercy, and compassion. So he offered up a simple prayer. God, Be merciful to me, a sinner. The tax collector did not point to people who were even worse than he was to try to make himself look good. He didn't come up with a list of good things that he had done to try to balance out the bad or just to make himself feel better instead he stared himself stared at himself in the mirror of god's law where he saw himself for the helpless sinner that he was and he recognized that his only hope was to plead for mercy so he did it was not a long prayer but it was a powerful one because it was genuine and heartfelt and came from a heart of humble faith. And God rewards contrition and confidence like the tax collectors. Jesus declared, I tell you, this man went home justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, Jesus didn't tell this parable to some specific person or class of people. It wasn't targeted at tax collectors or Pharisees or even his own disciples. Luke tells us that Jesus was talking to people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on others. Who in your life fits that description? Maybe there's someone at school who's always talking about how smart or beautiful or popular she is. Perhaps you have a co worker who is constantly trying to tell you how to do your job. Or maybe there's a friend whose social media pages are a little more than bragging about his lifestyle or her perfect family. Or maybe, maybe, You fit that description yourself. It is worth considering that often when we criticize the people who think that they are better than us, or who look down on everyone else, because good people just don't do that, well then, we are essentially judging ourselves to be better than them while I assume that none of us would ever stand up in front of church and call out another worshiper the way the Pharisee did, God knows what goes on in our hearts. And perhaps we deserve to be punished for self-righteous arrogance just as much as that Pharisee. And precisely because it is so easy for us to think and act like him We need to imitate the example of the other guy, the tax collector. We need to fold our hands or perhaps even beat our chests and lay open our hearts. We need to confess and pray, not just on Ash Wednesday, but every day, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then, then we need to take one more look at this parable and remember that there is actually a third person to consider. The person who told it. If anyone had a legitimate reason to boast about himself, it was Jesus. He honored his parents. He obeyed the laws of the land. He kept every command of God perfectly. Not for his own benefit. Not so that he would have something to brag about. Everything he did, he did for you. And if anyone had a reason to not be humble, it was Jesus. As true God, he knows all and sees all and rules all, and and yet the one through whom all things were created made himself Nothing. He took on human flesh and the form of a servant. He allowed himself to be humiliated and ultimately executed. Why? To pay for every sinner's every sin, even though he was the sinless Son of God. He is merciful to you. He sinner. Because of His mercy, Jesus became your substitute. He lived a sinless life in your place and died on the cross in your place to make sure that at His side in heaven, you will have a place. Because of His mercy, Jesus gives you the gift of prayer. You can talk to Him anywhere, anytime, about Anything. And you have His promise that when you pray, He will hear you and answer you and always, always do what is best. Because of His mercy, Jesus gives you His true body and blood in Holy Communion. And when you receive the sacrament, you receive the personal assurance of free and full forgiveness. Because of God's great mercy, you do not need to be weighed down by guilt. Because of His mercy, you have absolutely nothing to fear. Your Savior will be with you as long as you live, and you know where you are going when you die. Let this evening and this passion season give you fresh and humble confidence that you are in good hands you are in God's hands and he is merciful amen may the lamb at the center of God's throne be your shepherd and lead you to springs of living water may God wipe away every tear from your eyes amen